You're listening to the Vineyard Milwaukee podcast. For more information about Vineyard Milwaukee Church, visit vineyardmilwaukee.com. Now here's this week's message. Uh, good morning, everybody. No one, no one, no one's there. No one's. We, ha- we do have live people here. No, it's good morning, everybody. And um, thanks for coming. I, I want to start today's talk with actually a, a couple quotes. Um, one is from an author professor, David Foster Wallace. He said this. He said, in the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And in the great words of Bob Dylan, but you got su- to have to serve somebody. Yes, you are. You are going to have to serve somebody. Well, it might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. We, we, were, we were sort of created to worship. We're going to worship. The only thing that you get to do is you get to choose what you are going to worship. Now, we've talked a lot about political religiosity over the last few months, year. Um, we've talked about political religion lately, but... But there's another religion that has been sort of on the rise, and it's pining for our attention and idolatry as much as politics is. And that religion is actually work. Work. Derek Thomas, he's a staff writer at The Atlantic, he wrote in an article called uh, Workism is Making Americans Miserable. He said this, workism is among the most potent of the new religions competing for congregants. What is works? It is the belief that work is not only necessary to economic production, but also the centerpiece of one's identity and life purpose. The best educated and the highest earning Americans who can have whatever they want have chosen the office for the same reason that devout Christians attend church on Sundays. It is where they feel most themselves, but our desk is where never meant to be, our desks were never meant to be altars. Work has sort of evolved, right? Think about, think about when you go to, uh, I don't know if many of you have gone to many big wedding receptions lately, probably not, but uh, you think about pre-pandemic, you go to a wedding and you're meeting people, or you're at a party and you're meeting people for the first time. What's like the top three questions is always like, what do you do, right? It's always what do you do. I always feel like you ever see, I think it's a kindergarten cop where Arnold Schwarzenegger is like, who is your daddy and what does he do? I feel like that's like, that's like what we go through. We're always asking. That's always the first question in mind when we see someone. Well, I wonder what they do for a living. And nine chances out of ten, they're going to give you uh, a response where you still, they'll give you a title and you still don't know what they do, right? You say, you know, I'm the head of a technical competency firm. I don't know what that is, right? It's like IT support. Or I, I'm, I'm in loss prevention. I still have no idea what they do. Or I'm a building engineer. Depending on where you are, that means different things. In MPS, that means you're a custodian. But like, you give these titles, and we get wrapped up in them, and we have become an achievement society. We, we gather social capital through education, wealth, status, career, fame. Value is no longer put on who one is, but what one does. In 2019, the World Health Organization, they included burnout into their classification of diseases. Interesting. 
Uh, in the study, burnout in COVID time, 89% said their work life is getting worse. 62% experience burnout often. 21% rated work experience good. And only 2% rated work life excellent. People are, are satisfying their, sacrificing their lives, their marriage, their integrity, integrity all on the altar of work. And I've talked to many of you, you find that, that since the COVID time and you're able to work at, some of these are able to work at home, you feel like you don't turn it off anymore. Like it's constantly on all the time. And you've sacrificed things at the altar of work. And it's a bad religion. The biblical vision of work is actually not careerism. It's contribution. Check this out. Genesis 1 Verse 26 through 29 says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in numbers. Fill the earth and subdue it. O, for, o, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that was fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. So we are actively partnering with God in taking the world forward. And let me also just say that this is a call, not just for men, not just for a certain economic status or a certain ethnic group. This is all of us. We are called to move the world forward. And then in Genesis 2, verses 8 through 15, it says this. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grown out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It, wind, it winds through the entire land of Allah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic, resin, and oxen are also there. The name of the second river is Gion. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris, and it runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So he tells us that we're supposed to work it and take care of it. So let's first look at work. Tim Keller, he says this, he says, work is, uh, he defines it this way, rearranging the raw materials of a particular domain to draw out its potential for the flourishing of everyone. So like an example is that like a farmer, a farmer works the earth, he plants the seeds to create a crop, right? Um, a cook takes those crops and chops it up and combines it and cooks it and, and does season it, and turns it into a wonderful dish, right, for nourishment. Parents, we take these children that we don't know what to do with, right? 
these little little human beings and 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 we nurture them and we care for them and we feed them and we teach them and we love them into adulthood and beyond right and then we're supposed to care for to guard and to watch over the earth and everything in it that belongs to the lord and we are to guard and watch over it and take care of it we're not just called to any kind of work paid or unpaid we are called to garden like work how many of you uh, during lockdown started a garden? Anybody at home probably, yeah, started a garden? Yeah, we did too. We did too. We have no idea what we're doing. So we got online and we looked up uh, and we took a gardening course called Gangsta Gardening. It's a, it's a real thing. It, it's awesome. Ron Finley, highly recommend it. But he's in L.A. and he teaches you anyone how to garden. And so Ben and I, we gardened, and we got out there, and it was, we turned the soil, we picked out what we wanted to plant, and, 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 and we worked hard for about a day, and then we were like, well, where's the, where's the crops? Like, let's eat. Like, where, but it takes time, right? It takes time. It doesn't happen right away. You have to cultivate the soil. You have to care. You have to work it. You have to pick the weeds out. And eventually you see something that sprouts up. And if you're like me, you're going, is that it? Or is that a weed? I don't know. Like, and then you figure it out and you try to move things and you try to make sure everything's good. They, they get enough sun and, and that we keep the rabbits out and we make fences and all this stuff. So we care for it and we cultivate it. Um, the garden. We're called more to be a garden. So listen, the garden in the Bible is a project. It's not a product, meaning it wasn't designed to, to, like, it was actually designed to go somewhere, not to be something. In Genesis, before the fall, Eden was described as a garden. And at the end of the Bible, if you go all the way through to Revelations, when God comes to restore the earth, the garden is described as a garden-like city. We are to be a people that cultivates contribution. We are to practice contribution as a vocation. So do you know that two-thirds of our life is work? It's working. And if we cut out Jesus in that two-thirds, that's like majority of our life. And if that's true, we gather on Sunday in small groups in our circles just to talk about a minority part of our life. Vocation comes out of a Latin word which means calling. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to follow Jesus, to be an apprentice, to be a disciple of Jesus. We're called to do our work, paid or unpaid work, as an act of discipleship to Jesus. Many of us think discipleship is like our morning devotions, like you get up and you're like, hey, I'm going to do my Bible study, I'm going to do my 10 minutes of prayer, and then I've got to be at work at 8, and I punch out, and I work for 10 hours, and I punch back into life. But, you know, Jesus was a carpenter. Like, he had another job for a long time. And, and if he came today, he might be a carpenter, he may be a tradesman, he may be a barista, an artist, or he, he might even be one of those little Jeep parking attendants that give me tickets all the time. All right? Uh, he could do, you know... He could do one of those things. And we need to look at our work as a key part of our apprenticeship of Jesus. We are called to play our role in the family of God and the flourishing of humanity. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Your calling is not something you choose. It's something you discover. It is unearthed. And often, when you discover it, it's at that point that you have to surrender it to God to take control over it. You see, culture says, I am what I do. Scripture says, I do what I am. So some of you are sitting there going, well, yeah, I, but I've got like, you know, my job, is just, it, I, it's just a job. I just, I use it to pay the bills. And, and for some of you, your job fits beautifully to the calling that you've discovered. And some of you, it, 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 you're there, but it's taken you years to get there, right? And for others, it's just a job that pays the bill. But there is still a calling on your life and your vocation. How do we repurpose our work into practice of vocation? How do, you, how do we do the same thing as our other coworkers or as, as parents, paid or unpaid, not as a career, but as a vocation? As followers of Jesus, there, there's four things I sort of want to highlight. One is uh, that we're motivated by love. We're not driven by success or promotion or shout outs or props for our fragile ego. Um, we feel our feelings and we know what our emotion is, what our motive is. The second thing is we're guided by scripture. All work is moral, but not all work is blessable by God. We do all work that is blessable by God. It doesn't need to be glamorous. It can be manual labor. It can be changing tires at Mr. P's. Good, honest work with God's blessing over it. Adam was a gardener. Jesus was a carpenter. Blessable by God. The third is silence and stillness and communion with God. This becomes a core spiritual practice in our lives. Not a once in a while, but this silence and stillness transforms how we follow Jesus. If we're going to do for God out of how we are being, then we must practice silence. So, the weaken nature our relationship with God. Discover his will. Let go of striving and learn how to cultivate and commune with God. That happens like all day. That is not just a once in a while thing. When we actually get still and we get quiet, we learn to commune with him all day long. And then the fourth is we do our work with excellence to be the best of our ability, not, not the best, but to do our best. When we work, we know that we're doing it for a greater good. We're doing it to move the world forward. Uh, Dorothy Sayers, author poet, she says this, the church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confirmed to exhorting him to not be drunk and disorderly in his leisure hours and to come to church on Sundays. What the church should be telling him is this, that the very first demand that his religion makes on him is that he should make good tables, right? Do good work, do good work. Now all of this, all of this I believe starts with understanding who we are. These are all really helpful tips and they're, they're helpful challenges and, and some thoughts to think about you and your life and your work that you do and, are you cultivating? Are you moving the world forward? But unless you have stopped 
and actually have been still and engaged God of who you are, that, this is, that's the first step. That's the first step. And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to walk in and do a little exercise with you. Um, this idea of, of sort of being before doing. Be before I do. A person, a person who is, is being before doing operates in a place of emotional and spiritual fullness. A deep awareness of themselves and how they engage God. And as as a result, they operate out of a calling to cultivate as a vocation. So now, I said emotional fullness and spiritual fullness. Let me break that down real quick. Emotional fullness is a high awareness of feelings, weaknesses, emotions, my body, how my past affects my presence, uh, how I enter into other people's emotion or pain because I'm in touch with my emotion and pain. That's emotional fullness. Then there's spiritual fullness, I, where I, I don't engage in more activities than my spiritual being can actually sustain. I enjoy a relationship with God. I receive from God more than I do for God. Let me say that again. I receive from God more than I do for God. I have a, a healthy rhythm, and my cup is generally full, and when it comes depleted, I make adjustments. And the greatest gift is just me being with God, being with God, be before I do. So what I want to do, I just want to take, we're here in church, why not, there's a better place to do it, right? We're always work, we're busy, 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 right? But we're here now, and what I want to do is I just want to take some moments of silence, okay? We're just going to get moments of silence, and what I'm going to do is we're going to ask God, like, meet me here right now. I just want God to come and meet you, meet me, right? And what we want to do is we want to sort of ask God the question, what is it maybe that I'm doing before being? And for some of you, this might be really new. You're like, wait, what? What are we doing right now? This is, this is different. But I want you to actually get quiet and think, it, and, and, and in your head, just pray, ask God, say, hey, what am I doing right now that is going before my being? Ask him to highlight one thing in your life that you are doing before being. So we're just going to get still. And we're just going to get quiet just for a moment. So you can go ahead and just, for, so not distracted, just go ahead and close your eyes. And just be still. And ask the question, Lord, what am I doing that is getting way my being.
think for some of us, our doing exceeds my being when you feel like you have the pressure where you just don't have enough time. It's so busy. I think some of you uh, heard that your, your doing exceeds your being when, when you ignore the stress that's in your body. Some of you, it's when I'm fearful about the future, when I start doing instead of being. For some of you, it's when you're distracted and, and spewing off like quick reactions to everything, like just off the cuff, just it hits you that you're, you're doing before you're being. For some of you, it's when you're, you're spending more time talking rather than listening, you're doing for being. For others, it's when I start treating people like projects rather than human beings. There's a, I'm sure there's a lot more. Um, but to be still and allow God to speak and allow God to move and allow God to show you how, what are those triggers that may be in you that cause you to do before you be because he so wants to be with you and to practice that stillness and silence and to have that continue throughout your day, which is your vocation and your calling. Why don't we stand? I'm going to invite uh, the band to come back, but as the band comes up, I just want to... Um, Real quickly, I think for some of you, um, things sort of hit something today in this idea of careerism, and whatever sort of triggers that may have hit, uh, this idea maybe, I felt like for some of you, you've been really striving in your workplace and trying to strive in your career, and today you're kind of, something's hitting you that maybe, maybe there's something bigger here than your career, um, that you've been striving to set this one goal, that this is, this is why I've been here, but, but God has, has a bigger calling on your life, and it has nothing to do with your job title. It has to do with how you cultivate your relationships and the people around you, no matter what job you're in. And um, what I'd love to, for you to do is to receive prayer. I'm just going to, just real quick, uh, can I have my prayer team just raise their hands Okay, so there's some, if you take a look around, raise them again real quick so everyone sees. Okay, so those people with their hands, they're a prayer team. We'll eventually get our act together and get badges or something, I don't know. But um, what they're going to do is they're going to hang out in the back. And uh, there's also a little room over here. We might, if it gets too loud, we can slip in there. So if, if you want to receive prayer today and any of this talk stirred something up in you, even if it's just a little thing, just, yeah, I... I realize that I, I, I do, I react really quickly and I, I want to invite God's presence as an apprentice into my whole life, all day long. And, and I, I want prayer over that. Or if that word about striving and careerism uh, hits you, get prayer for that. And then if there's anything else, anything else, we always want to open up. Prayer is a real deal and we want to practice that as followers of Jesus. And Rebecca's got a couple other words, I think, too. But um, I'm going to say this one thing, and then I'll give it to you. I, I want, uh, 
and for some of you who haven't heard me say this, but don't be the person who is like, man, because I know right now in the room, I can sense it. I know in the room right now there is easily a dozen of you that are like, yeah, I need prayer today. And don't be the person that walks out of here and doesn't get it. I see that all the time. They leave and you sit in your car and you go, man, I was supposed to go get prayer and I didn't do it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Get prayer today. This is all part of the deal. This is all legit awesome stuff. So if you're 12 of those people, get prayer today. Prayer team should be busy today, okay?